Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, everyone. Charles Watts here. Welcome back to Inside Arsenal. It is a Saturday. It is the weekend. I hope wherever you are watching or listening, to this around the world, you are having a very good start to that weekend. Arsenal in action tomorrow, of course, travelling to West Ham, looking to end a run of two successive defeats against the Hammers, looking to back up that victory against Liverpool last time out and looking to keep the pressure up in the Premier League title race. They're going last this weekend. Both City and Liverpool play today, both home games, both games you expect them to win. It's Liverpool against Burnley, isn't it? And City against Everton. So you expect both of those sides to pick up three points today, which is going to only add to the pressure on Arsenal in that huge game against West Ham, who sits seventh in the Premier League and are having a pretty decent season once again under David Moy. So we'll be looking at that in today's show. Look at the latest team news. I'll give my predicted 11. You guys have been getting in touch saying what you want to see happen. So I'll take a look at some of those. We've got blue cards to talk about. I want to give my opinions on that. Mikel Arteta speaking about that yesterday. Lots of managers speaking about that in their press conference yesterday. Potentially seismic shift in the way football could be played going forward. I say seismic. I mean dreadful. I mean awful. I mean catastrophic. And I will get to that later on in the show. Um, and uh, yeah, plenty of other stuff to talk about as well. So let's get started, shall we? And focus our attention on tomorrow's game, first of all. Team news-wise for Arsenal, obviously we're waiting to see on Alexander Zinchenko. He is still a doubt will be assessed uh, along with Gabriel Jesus today to see if either of those two could be fit for the game. Mikel speaking in his press conference yesterday said he was hopeful he could have a few players back for tomorrow's match. Wouldn't say who, but you'd think it's going to be Zinchenko and Jesus that he's talking about there. So late assessments on the pair of those. Takiro Tomiyasu is back from his trip to the Asian Cup with Japan. Of course, he's been training this week and I fully expect him to be involved, probably starting, but certainly involved in tomorrow's game. No Fabio Vieira, he's still out injured. No Thomas Partey, he's still out injured. 
Um, but other than that, Arsenal in not too bad a shape going into this one with West Ham. No Lucas Paqueta for West Ham. He's out. David Moyes confirming that yesterday. Uh, Mikel Antonio still out. He's coming back now from his injury absence. He is back training. But David Moyes saying he will not be involved in tomorrow's game. So West Ham missing a couple of players as well. Um, Guna Jake's got in touch here. Thank you very much for your question, Guna Jake. You say, Charles, do you think Jesus should earn his spot back in the team? This is an interesting one that I think is going to... Uh, I'm intrigued to see what Mikel Arteta does if Jesus is fit. Now, Jesus, of course, in his last game, played very, very well against Nottingham Forest, scored, got an assist in the 2-1 win. Then he was injured for the match against Liverpool last time out. Kai Havertz came in and played in the central striking role and played very, very well. Granted, he didn't score. He missed a big chance when he went through one-on-one. Arsenal did score from the rebound, however. But on the whole, he had a really good performance, I thought, Kai Havertz, especially in the second half. He really came into his own against two top-quality centre-backs in Canate and Van Dijk, and he gave them a pretty torrid time. I mean, he got Canate sent off um, because Canate just couldn't quite deal with his physicality and his ability to hold the ball up and knock the ball away from him. It was a really solid performance from Kai Havertz. So, in response to your question, Guna Jay, I actually think Kai Havertz should keep his place in the team this weekend, even if Jesus is fit. I think when I look at how West Ham are going to play as well, um, I look at how strong and big their centre-backs are, I just do wonder if having Kai up there causing them problems might be a good weapon for Arsenal to use. And then by all means, you know, if things go wrong or if things aren't working out, you know, you're still drawing something like that. You can change things in the second half and you throw on Gabriel Jesus to give West Ham something completely different to think about. So I just think you reward a really solid performance from Kai Havertz. And I just like him playing that central strike role. And I think Arsenal play well when Kai Havertz is playing in that role. Um, it'd be good to score, see him score some more goals, obviously. And, um, just be a little bit more ruthless in and around the penalty area when the opportunity arises. Maybe just take one uh, one touch fewer and uh, and get your shot away earlier. But um, but I thought he played really well, like I said against Liverpool. So I would I would keep him in the team for this game. I have to say. So thank you very much for your comment, Guna Jake. So this is what I've gone for in terms of my predicted eleven for tomorrow's game. Um, I'm presuming Zinchenko is unavailable in this. I think if he's fit, then Zinchenko might well start. Although having said that, I think we'll all remember the League Cup game earlier on in the season at West Ham when Zinchenko played and Mohamed Kudis gave him a pretty torrid time in that game. So Mikel might look at that and think, you know what, I'm going to shore things up defensively a little bit. I'm going to bring Tomiyasu in, even if Zinchenko is fit. But the predicted 11 I've gone for, I've gone with Tommy at left-back for this game. So I'm going to David Ryer in goal, of course, and then going Ben White, Saliba, Gabriel, and Tommy Asu as my back four. I'm sticking with the midfield kind of double pivot of Jorginho and Rice that we saw against Liverpool for this game and playing Odegaard more as a out-and-out number 10. Now, I know against Liverpool, you know, I've got them here listed in this formation if you're watching on YouTube. I've got Rice and Jorginho sort of listed playing side by side. They didn't really do that against Liverpool. Interestingly, it was Jorginho who's actually playing in the higher up, sort of more of a eight role, really. Rice very much was the six against Liverpool and Jorginho was more advanced at the time. He was pressing high um, and he played very, very well, man of the match, of course, in that game. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me if we see something pretty similar to that. There is the option of bringing in someone like Emil Smith-Rowe um, who played in the game against Nottingham Forest. Mikel does like, and he's shown it this season, when he's playing against a team who's playing a low block away from home, he does like having the extra attack. I remember when Arsenal went to Goodison Park at the start of the season, we were all surprised to see Fabio Vieira start in that game, but I think that was because of the way that Mikel expected Everton 
to set up, that he wanted that extra attacker to try and unlock such a deep line defence. He did the same against Nottingham Forest when he surprised us all by starting Emil Smith-Rowe. So it might well be that he does something similar um, again tomorrow. But I just think, given the performance of Jorginho, given how well Arsenal played in that game with that system, that he's probably going to be pretty tempted to go with it once again um, tomorrow. So, yeah, I've got Jorginho and Rice almost operating as a pivot. Maybe Jorginho slightly more advanced. And Odegaard is the number 10. And I'm going Saka and Martinelli out wide. Of course, there is the option of bringing in Leandro Trossard. But I think you, Martinelli was fantastic against um, Liverpool, even though Trossard came off the bench and scored. But um, Martinelli was fantastic in that game. Ran his, ran his socks off, caused Liverpool all sorts of problems. So I'd stick with that. And like I said, I'd go, I'm going Havertz up top, even if Gabriel Jesus is fit. So that's my predicted 11 for the game. Raya, White, Saliba, Gabriel, Rice, Jorginho, Odegaard, Saka, Martinelli and Havertz. Um, actually, I'm just going to bring that down because I wanted to bring you guys your questions and comments up here we go so carlo guna says my team for sunday raya white saliba gabriel tomiasu rice smith row odegaard saka martinelli and jesus so there's carlo guna's 11 he wants to see for the game uh below that b3 r s e r k three r one three rolls off the tongue that username <laughs> Why can't he just be called like Bob or something? It'd be a lot easier for me to say. What a massive game on Sunday, he says. West Ham is a dangerous one for sure. I hope we take a similar controlled approach to the game we did against Liverpool. They love to go on the counter-attacks against us. Very crucial that we stay solid in the back. If we do that, I think we'll be all right. This will be a nerve-wracking game for sure. Go Gunners. And then 3-3-3, three, 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 Nick says, I would play exactly the same start in 11 as against Liverpool. Tommy should be eased back in and can be brought on for impact if needed. West Ham, just like Liverpool, like to defend solid and then hit on the counter. So the game plan could be similar. But that's why when you say they hit on the counter, and they do, and they've got the pace to do that with likes of Jared Bowen and Kudus up front, that's why I'd bring Tommy Asu, providing he's fit, I'd bring Tommy Asu in for this game. I just think he would, he would just he would just make Arsenal a little bit of a more tougher proposition to break down on the counter-attack. And that is clearly a very big strength of West Ham. And they do like to get the ball in the box as well from set pieces. And Tommy Asu is very, very good in the air. So... Personally, for me, I feel like this is more of a Tommy Asu game. But thank you guys for getting in touch. Um, right, I want to talk about blue cards now. Mikel was speaking about it at the um, at his press conference yesterday. Oh, actually, no, oh, I'm throwing, I'm going all over the place. Tommy Asu, before I move on to blue cards, I'm changing my mind, going back here to Tommy Asu, because if you haven't seen this yet, this was Mikel in his press conference yesterday. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see the quotes, but this was the 10.30 p.m. bit, so it was the embargoed section not the bit that you see live go out on Arsenal's website and that sort of stuff. And he was talking about Tommy Asu. I thought these were really, really good quotes. So I wanted to include them in the show in case you haven't seen them. He was talking about his qualities as a person, everything like that. So he says, you just want to hug him. You just want to hug him all day and be next to him. He's always smiling. He's always positive. The way he looks after people and how humble he is, he's just adorable. Um, when he was asked about his first impressions when he signed Tommy Asu, he said, yeah, his presence physically, he looks much bigger than on TV because when we signed him, I didn't have the chance to meet with him in person. So that was a good first impression. And then that he's got this positive energy about him. He's always smiling in his eyes. He tells you he's transparent, clear, and he's honest. And that's it. Um, and he was talking about his education because he was at the Barcelona Academy, which was over in Japan. Um, he said, yes, I knew that. But as well, I meant education at every level and the culture that they grew up in. When you talk about habits and about trying to predict someone's future, it's about how this person behaves daily. That is when 
um, to make his future. And when you see Tommy Asu every single day, how he wakes up, looks after his job, looks after his people, I think something good is going to happen for this guy. So really lovely comments, I thought, there from Mikel Arteta about Takiro Tomiyasu, who, of course, is about to sign his new contract at Arsenal. It's all been agreed. Hasn't been signed yet, but it's about to, it will be signed very, very soon, and it will be announced very, very soon. And when you hear Mikel speaking about him in these sort of words, you can understand why Arsenal was so very, very keen to get Tomiyasu signed up to a new contract, which, as I said in shows previously this week, is just an absolute no-brainer for me. Such a good player, such a good presence around the squad, as Mikel Arteta says here, character is amazing i sat down i remember last year i interviewed tommy asu one-on-one while i was working at goal um and uh he's just just such a nice guy <laughs> genuinely such a nice guy and uh, you can understand why he's so so popular so yeah i thought those are really good comments from Mikel about uh takiro tommy asu hey it's danny pellegrino from everything iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Now on to blue cards, finally, despite myself teasing it about twice now and moving on to something else. So this is what Mikel had to say about blue cards. Yes, he said, I don't know when we're going to get there, to be fair. We've got a lot going on now with decisions, technology, with what has come in. I don't know if we're ready for it yet. When he was asked if it was a good or bad idea, he said, who knows? Hopefully it's going to be tested very well before we introduced it at this level, which in manager speak was like, it's a terrible idea. He should have just said it because it is, quite frankly, a horrifically awful, catastrophic dreadful pathetic idea that is going to change football that would change football i'm so glad it's been shelved but it's only been shelved for a month so it's not like it's been shelved permanently they've just already seen the backlash but it's just i i if you like this idea if you think this is a good idea please do tell me why in the comments below because there i cannot see a good reason for it these referees the officials they can't sort it out with two cards let alone throw in another one into the mix and it's just going to be another subjective thing as well whereas one you know what is the definition of cynical foul and i know cynical fouls are annoying but you do have yellow and red cards to sort that out right now just use those be tougher use those to sort it out don't introduce this blue card which is just going to add to the fury every week of people questioning decisions because one referee one week is going to deem something a cynical foul. The next week, we're probably going to see the exact same foul and the and a referee is not going to deem it a cynical foul and everyone's going to moan about it. It's going to be exactly the same as what we have now, but worse because you're throwing another thing for people to complain about. And I was listening to Ange Postacoglu yesterday in his press conference. I thought he was absolutely spot on about it when he said, you know, this is, you don't, if someone, go, if a team goes down to 10 men, for 10 minutes with this blue card all you're going to see then is a horrifically boring game of football because for 10 minutes that other team is just going to drop back and defend on their own box and wait for the timer to tick down to naught to get their player back it's just going to ru- is genuinely going to ruin the game it's, i feel like it will be a tipping point we're all 
we're all struggling with VAR, with decisions, with everything at the moment, the way the game is going. Some introducing something like this for me, it would it would feel like a tipping point where it would lose, it would genuinely lose a lot of fans. The game would lose a lot of fans. It'd be tough to come back from because I can just see it. It will be catastrophic. And yeah, as you can tell, I hate the idea. And um, if you like it, and you can really give me a proper reason why this is going to be a good thing and why it shouldn't just be toughen up the rules on yellow cards and red cards, then please do let me know in the comments below because. Oh, I hate it. I'm so glad to see how managers have all sort of come out speaking against it. And I just hope those making the rules, those people sitting in a room somewhere who are deciding on the rules of the game are not going to bring this in and force it on everyone who around the world loves football. It's the, the, it's the, it's the world's game, the most popular game in the world for a reason. Stop introducing these things that make it worse and make the product worse. It, Oh, it drives me mad. But anyway, that's what Mikel Arteta had to say about the game. Uh, quickly on Gabriel, when he starts tomorrow, it's going to be his 150th appearance for Arsenal. Just been named man, um, player of the month for January for Arsenal as well. Having a very, very good season. Mikel was speaking about him yesterday in that 10.30pm section of the press conference as well. Said a lot of things that happened to him. His role in the team has grown. His personal life is also very different to the one he had before with his family and his language. He's also changed a lot of things in his life and he's improved his mentality. He can decide what he wants to be. And I think he's made the right call to take the direction he took. Interesting comments there, I thought, on uh, from Gabriel on Mikel Arteta. Just a fantastic signing. One of the very best signings of the Arsenal recent Arsenal era. Um, certainly since when Mikel arrived at the club. Just a fantastic piece of business. A player who's getting better and better, who doesn't get the praise he deserves because of the quality of the player he plays alongside. Saliba takes a lot of the limelight, but Gabriel should be in that conversation when you talk about the very best centre-backs there are in the Premier League or in Europe right now. He's just a fantastic player. He's developing all the time. Real, real leader. And uh, yeah, 150 games tomorrow for Gabriel. So congratulations to him. And I'm looking forward to seeing the next 150. I just wanted to point this out before I move on to some of your questions and comments at the end. Um, Nicola Galli, if you haven't heard about Nicola Galli, then he was a player who came over to Arsenal um, as a teenager from Italy and huge potential, absolutely loved by the club, by Wenger, by the youth, youth staff. He was part of the Arsenal Youth Cup winning team back then. And he tragically, it's one of the saddest stories in Arsenal's recent history, tragically died in an accident when he went back to Italy for a loan spell. He was on his moped coming back from training. He had it. He was involved in a crash and he died. And it was 23 years ago today that he died. Um, and it is just such a sad story. And I think it's really important that he does not get forgotten. I wrote a piece about six years ago now while I was working at Football London about his story. And I spoke to lots of people who were involved in his time at Arsenal, players that he shared his digs with. Uh, Liam Brady, who of course was key to bringing him over. Um, lots of his old youth teammates. I've drop it in the description below. If you haven't heard this story and you're not aware of Nicola Galli, who he is, what happened, then I just urge you to read the story below because I think it's a really important thing that Arsenal fans and Arsenal as a club don't forget what such a tragic story that happened to such a talented player. A player who Arsene Wenger said, had he not died, he was utterly convinced would have gone on to be Arsenal captain and Italy's captain. That's how good Arsene Wenger thought he was it's a real tragic story so yeah the description is in the in uh, the link is in the description below to that piece i wrote six years ago now about it. it's one of the 
saddest things I've ever wrote, but it's one of the, the, the my favourite things I've ever wrote in terms of just telling that story and making more people aware of it. And the people that I spoke to, who spoke so warmly about Nicola Galli. So, yeah, if you don't know the story yet, I please do urge you to uh, to give it a read. Okay, moving on. Here's one from Denler now. He says, hi, Charles. Hope you're well. I have a question. In this summer transfer window, do you feel it could be the biggest for Arsenal yet in terms of incomings and outgoings to push us to the next level? I personally can see a fair few players going in Ramsdale, Nenny, Nelson and Ketia Tierney, if fit, party if fit and possibly ESR. This should help with extra funds for more top tier players to come in. We also need to keep Jorginho's experience and influence in the squad is similar to what Milner did for Liverpool. Keep up the good work. Thanks. Cheers, Denla. Um, Yeah, I mean, I don't know about saying it's the biggest yet. I mean, every summer we seem to approach it and say it's the biggest yet for Arsenal. Um, I mean, every summer really is just the biggest because it's the, it's the next one and it's the one that tries to take the club onto the next level. It's certainly very, very important. But I feel the work Arsenal have done in recent years has put them in this really good position where they are got such a solid base to work on now. But they do need to continuously keep improving because the only way you are going to chase down Manchester City, um, which is arguably the toughest job any club has had in the Premier League era, even potentially harder than chasing down Manchester United uh, back in the day. You know, City is so good. They've got such unlimited resources that to keep, to try and chase them down and overhaul them is, it's bordering on the impossible. Um, and so you've got to use every summer window in the best way possible. And so Arsenal do need to do that this summer. And like you said, players do need to go. Money needs to come in. It's not been easy to do that in recent summers. I don't think it's going to be easy to do that this summer either. Either It's not going to be tough. Not many clubs have got much money unless you're in the Premier League. Um, so it will be difficult for Edu and co, but they've got to get it right. They've got to try and get some money in. And they've got to spend big as well. Arsenal are in a decent position to spend big this summer. They've got the Champions League money to fall back on. They've got the new Emirates, Emirates sponsorship deal. They've just signed the training ground deal as well. Hopefully they'll be in the Champions League again. You would expect they will be. So you've got that sort of backup of money to come the following summer. So they are in a good position. It's not going to be like January. They are going to be able to spend. And I think they will spend well and they'll spend wisely. Um, and so, yes, it is a very big one. Whether it's the biggest, I don't know. I wouldn't really say it's the biggest. Um, and just quickly before I go, Rakish here asks, this is a weird request. I see speculation over one of the EPL clubs believed to be City and five others that are th um, th threatening to sue the Premier League for tightening FFP rules, uh, especially the re regulations regarding multi-club owners. Just wanted to know your thoughts. Yeah, this is really interesting. I mean, this has all come out from yesterday's meeting. Uh, between Premier League executives, where once again, associated party transactions was very much on the agenda. It was last time out and it was the vote didn't get passed. This time it has just gone through. I think 12 clubs voted for it. I've got the exact numbers here. 12 foot voted for it, uh, six against with two abstaining. And that meant that the rules, new rules were passed. And these are all based around, um, like I said, associated party transactions. Those are rules to, designed to stop clubs sort of signing inflated sponsorship deals with companies that are linked with them within their group, as well as preventing clubs from moving players on for less or more than their market value, again, through their various club groups that they got. And, you know, City are the club who are threatening, believed to be the club who are threatening to sue the Premier League over this. And you can understand why City Football Group is so vital to how that whole entity operates. Um and so, yeah, they are threatening, by all accounts, to sue the Premier League over these new rules that have come in. I think what this says is just, it just shows, highlights once again, I think the tensions that are bubbling away now within the Premier League and the member clubs um, over how things are allowed to be run, especially when it comes to, you know, um, ownership groups. 
more and we're seeing it more and more. City obviously are the benchmark because of what they've done, but lots of other clubs are doing it. Um, lots of other clubs in the Premier League are doing it, and it's they see it as key to their business model, and so they're frustrated, obviously, when other clubs are passing new rules against it, which is going to make it more difficult to sign these sponsorship agreements that um, and move players between the group that uh, they think are adding another layer of bureaucracy to it, and I think it just shows that the. Um, the tensions like I said I think it's a good thing personally I would probably say that because Arsenal don't have a sort of group that they have under their umbrella you know they're not looking to move clubs you know buy clubs across Europe and all that sort of stuff so it doesn't really matter for Arsenal and you want those sort of rules and regulations tightened up because the rival clubs like City use it hugely to their benefit and we've seen that over the years um yeah, but so my thoughts on it, are just that it highlights once again the tensions that we're seeing within Premier League clubs at the moment and how the game is moving forward. Um, but I do think personally it's a good thing because I think multi-club ownership just doesn't feel right with me. It's just a way of just farming players between various clubs, being able to potentially break rules and it just it's just cloudy. It's just murky, I think, multi-club ownership. I don't like it. So anything that sort of tightens regulations against it, I think personally, is a good thing. All right, that's it from me, everyone. Thank you very much for watching or listening to today's show. Do have a very good start to your weekend, whatever you are getting up to this Saturday. Tomorrow, I'll be at the London Stadium to keep your eyes peeled for the usual match coverage from me there. I don't think I'll have time to do a show in the morning because it's a 2pm kickoff and I've got to get over to East London, but I will try and do one after the game given my reaction, hopefully, to a very good win and my Arsenal player rating. So until then, everyone, have a very good weekend. I'll speak to you soon. Bye-bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 